Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, where we discuss everything that brings us life. Come join the fun, we're talking about our lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This is your host, Shannon Fisher. And today we've got something that we don't normally get to cover. I'm talking to a um, a very well-known, accomplished choreographer. and He has written a book entitled Daniel Lewis, uh, Life in Choreography and the Art of Dance. And I'm excited to talk to him about his extensive career. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. So uh, you have had uh, so many lifetimes in, in your career. I mean, you have seen much of the world. You have uh, been a huge influence on so many people. Um, tell me why you decided to, to write this book. Well, I didn't want an autobiography. I know that. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted a book that pretty much told the history of my life because I feel pretty lucky that I came in dance at a time when there weren't a lot of men in dance. Mm -hmm. uh, when a transition was happening, especially in modern dance, you know, from the early, I started dancing at 50, no, 48, I took my first dance class. And I took yeah. it only because I happened to have a club foot and the doctor recommended it. Sure. Uh, but I have had a life that's been amazing. And I wanted to share the life, not my life, but the life that surrounded me for mm -hmm. all those years, the people I met, the places I've been, uh, all the honors and awards I've gotten for it all. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned how much I've done. Uh, I, two weeks ago, I got my fifth Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, That's not fantastic. very many people get five, but Robert Battle, who's the uh, artistic director of the Avenelli Company, mm -hmm. said to me one day, he said, I had more life than Shirley MacLaine with five <laughs> Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Awards. So it is a great honor. And I've been very lucky that I've had a, an incredible life traveling, meeting people. I was part of the history of dance in this country. You were, you absolutely were. And 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 thank God for that doctor when you had the club foot that, that he made right. that recommendation. So what what made you fall so in love with dance that you decided to dedicate your life to the art? Well, to put it bluntly, and you know, I'm assuming I felt this way back when I was five years old. I took my first tap class and just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. It was, um, how, how can I put it? I put it that I found a voice, a voice that had been missing. Now, I don't think very many five-year-olds find their voice at five. I really think I found it. Yeah. I found a way of communicating. I found a way of something that physically felt good. Mm -hmm. uh, I was never into sports. Uh, I never did. I played a little ice hockey for a while as a kid, but dance was where it was at. Definitely, and you, you're communicating. I, I think a lot of people, when they when when they see dance performances and when they hear about dance, they don't think of the language of dance and the emotion and the um, you know what somebody is putting into the performance. Uh, it, it, you're seeing a lot you're seeing a lot more than what you realize you're seeing. So for people who are not big dance fans, who, you know, appreciate dance in a Broadway musical or perhaps have seen a well-known ballet, um, talk a little bit about the language of dance. The language of dance is wonderful because I actually do story ballets. 
I actually do. I very rarely will choreograph a dance for dance sake. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of those out these days, and they're very enjoyable. But generally a story, I work for a man named Jose Limon, a real great American choreographer. Mm-hmm. And he told stories like they couldn't be told in words. He, he would take stories like the Othello and transfer it down to four dancing characters. And they would tell the entire story while doing a pavan, which is a yeah. dance form. Uh, this is pretty amazing. It was interesting this weekend when I did the uh, dance sample. I had people call me because we did what we did with it because it was virtual. Mm-hmm. Before each piece, we interviewed the choreographer to talk about their work. And people called and said, you know, we never had any idea that that much thought goes into making a ballet or a dance or anything. Yeah, yeah. There's real communication there that we hadn't thought about. So it it really is a a form of communication. It was my voice that I found that I really liked. I was not a very good writer. I was not very good in school. Uh, As my publisher always said, I'm not a writer. I'm an author. They've got people to make the writing sound good. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Donna Krasnow did that for me with this book. Most she definitely. Yeah, she was like my co-author. And she knows how to write. I know how to tell the stories. And the and stories what, are delicious. Yes, they are. It's, it's, it's the perfect marriage. It is. And so you, um, you went to Juilliard. And then you ended up teaching at Juilliard. Tell me about well, your experience there. Well, Juilliard was interesting. I, I went to Juilliard because I was being drafted in the 60s. I graduated from the High School of Performing Arts, the fame school, and I was all set to be a Broadway dancer. I had actually gotten into a revival of Anything Goes off Broadway. Oh, yeah. And it was uh, late August, and I'm at the Martha Graham Dance Studio, and I said, oh, I'm getting drafted. I may have to go to Vietnam. And they were, uh, the companies there recommended that I go to college and get a four-year deferment. And hopefully the war will be over by then. It wasn't, but uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so I applied to Juilliard, got in, actually got in on a full scholarship, which back in 1962 was $1,300 a year. Yeah. Now, who knows what it is now? Right. But in, in my first year at Juilliard, Jose Lamont walked up to me at the elevator and said, how would you like to go to Japan, Korea, Australia, Malaysia and I said sure and then he walked away and I never heard anything again till the end of the school year when I got a contract with management next thing I knew I was 18 years old in the Lamone company and a freshman at Juilliard and by the second year of Juilliard I was a full-fledged member touring with this company and taking classes at Juilliard it took me five years to graduate because I was always on the road or back and forth and stuff And, and then before I even graduated from Juilliard in my fifth year, Martha Hill, the director of Juilliard, a very famous woman in the modern dance world, who mm-hmm. started NYU, Bennington College, the American Dance Festival, and Juilliard, uh, turned to me and said uh, she would like me on the faculty. So I started teaching the year that I graduated, and mm-hmm. I stayed there for 24 years, eventually becoming her assistant. And then it was Martha who recommended that I apply for this job in Florida. Uh, the New World School of the Arts, an unknown school. It hadn't opened yet. Mm-hmm. And she was a pioneer. She had been trying to get me to go to Australia. She said, you could be a pioneer out there because uh, she knew I had ideas and dreams. And when I interviewed for the position, I said, what kind of school do you want? And these people said, well, we don't know. We're going to hire a dean of dance, theater, music, and visual arts, and they could tell us. 
So I said, I can do whatever I want. They said, yes, I wanted that job when I left. I'm sure, yes. <laughs> yes. And how often do you get offered to start it your way? Exactly. So when I got the call, I took the job, moved down here, and it was the best move I could have made. And that was almost 30 years ago. And I retired from New World 11 years ago. No, in 2011. And that school is still going on strong as could be. And we have graduated some of the greatest people in the world, dance, theater, music, and visual arts. Yes. I mean, you, you have, you have cemented your legacy really in many ways. And, yeah. and the, 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 the writer uh, of your book, your co-writer, she actually met you by uh, taking a class with you. Is that that's, right? That's correct. Yes. And out yeah, read college. You know, what's interesting is what I loved about coming down here, besides the fact I could do it my own way, the school, because people don't realize this, goes from the ninth grade of high school through a BFA degree in college. So it's an eight-year program. The students that go to the high school earn 24 college credits before they graduate from high school. So it only takes them three years to get through any college. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you think... So many people get into dance when they're very, very young. And so they they their their bodies mature as they are in, you know, as they are coming up in the world of dance. So how, at what age do you really does somebody really, really need to start dedicating themselves to dance in order to become a professional dancer, do you think? OK, if we were talking in the 60s, I'd say, you know, your career is going to be over by the time you're 40. Mm -hmm. But now in, in 2020, there are companies in Washington, this one specific one, Liz Lerman, where you have to be 70 to be in the company. That's great. The sciences, which is how I uh, Don asked Donna to write this book with me, she's written five books on dance science, you know, the medicine mm -hmm. of that. With what we know now, the body lasts longer. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have so much knowledge of how to feed the body, how to train the body, how to keep the body in its perfect shape. And even Jose back in 62, when he retired as a dancer was, no, I think it was, no, it was 64. He uh, was still performing. And yeah. I'll never forget, we had a performance of the Mosbavan at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, it's called BAM. And his wife said to him, Jose, you should retire tonight while everyone still loves the way you dance. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So so it isn't like it used to be because it, it really did used to be uh, your your career is over before your life has really even begun. And it, no, it's, it's well, that's, that's really true with a ballet. Yeah. They, you know, a ballerina or a male ballet dancer would retire at 30. Mm -hmm. Now they can go on to 40 or 50 easily. That's and great. You, you, choose, you choose your roles. You're not going to sure. do a young role at, at 50, but you could do character roles. You can do lots of different. Absolutely. And I think that's wonderful because so many people uh, would, would, would get to the prime of their life and then they would say, what do I do now? I've, I've, I've dedicated right. my entire life to dance. How, which, which way do I look right now? And so you talk about systems of dance and, and different techniques. I think most people uh, listening who, who really don't know a lot about the world of dance um, don't know about the different systems of dance. So, so give me a little bit of an overview about that. Okay, well, I'll do both for ballet and for modern. Okay. In ballet, there are lots of different techniques. There's George Balanchine's Russian ballet technique, or the Paganova technique from Russia. There's um, Cicchetti, which was an Italian ballet dancer who developed the Cicchetti technique. The Bourneville, which is the Danish ballet. 
uh, the vaudeville techniques. These are just different ways of approaching ballet. They all use basically the same vocabulary, but they're just a little different in the dynamics and how you train. In modern dance, it's generally been done by choreographers. So like Martha Graham, she's really well known around the country. There's mm -hmm. a Graham technique, a technique that she taught specifically for people to do her dances. And then there's the Limon technique, which I'm an expert in, mm -hmm. uh, for people who do Limon works. Uh, Paul Taylor has a technique. Uh, Burst Cunningham has a technique. These are all techniques devised specifically to do their works. Well, nowadays that doesn't work anymore. Sure. You can't train in one technique and expect to get a job for the rest of your life. You've got to be a well-rounded dancer. So I know at New World, we teach every technique. And when they graduate, they should be able to go to any audition and get in because all techniques are basically the same. The styles are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how you train the body is the same. You can't change the body. But you could train the body on how to move in different ways. And nowadays, kids are so ready for the world out there. Every college and university now gets kids ready to go out in the world and dance almost with any company. That's great. So they get the they, they get the history and they get the um, the the artistic training and then they get the, the technical training. Now, right. as far as being able to develop w one's own style and, uh, you know, show your own creativity. How, how do dancers break through with with their own creativity? Well, they can do it in several ways. They can do it with technique. Uh, you know, I, I teach a very different technique than Jose, but I still call it Lamont technique because it grew out of Lamont technique. Uh, and Jose encouraged all of his students and his dancers to find ways that they could communicate a technique rather than just stick to the same old thing that he's mm -hmm. been doing. Um, then there are people that have created their own techniques. Now, some of them are known, some are not known. You know, a lot of people have egos and they want to be their technique to be known. I'm not yeah. one with that ego, so I kept mine as Lamone technique. I also, my ego said to me, I don't need a biography. I need to tell a story right. for that same reason. Uh, was it in 63, no, 73 when Jose died and I took over his company as artistic director, I did my last performance in Moscow and it was, in front of 3,000 people, we had, I think we, we played there for almost uh, five performances. And they, they uh, announced in Novosti, which is the uh, press agency back then, the newspaper mm -hmm. in, in Moscow, that I was retiring. So the Mosaic dancers came, the Bolshoi dancers came. I had taught a class at the Bolshoi school. Uh, and they all stood in the, the applause went on for like 20 minutes. There are four characters in the Pavan. I was doing a Yago. And you, know, you come out one at a time, you bow, you go back, you come out as a group, you bow, you go back, you come out again, it went on. That does not happen in America much, <laughs> unless it's uh, That ABT. is a long applause, absolutely, long applause. absolutely. <laughs> and they do a rhythmic applause, so they all applaud together. It's not like everyone just applauding, it's rhythmic. Boom, boom, yeah. Boom, boom. Well, and I said to myself, what a way to go. <laughs> After a long and well-deserved career to get this sort of applause at the end, and then, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, I missed it. So I'm I sure. did a couple of works with my own company after this. I came out of retirement and did some cameos. I did one very strenuous work, too, called um, A Dead Heat with Matthew Diamond. 
Mm. He choreographed it, I commissioned it, which was a heavy duty work to do. I had to get back into shape to do it. But I really missed performing. And then your body starts going through a metamorphosis. I almost identified as being a butterfly and I was going the other way around. I was becoming a caterpillar. Becoming a caterpillar. Where <laughs> <laughs> The body just doesn't feel like it did when you were a dancer. And sure. uh, that's, that's when you start choreographing. And I was, of course, always teaching all the way through this. So teaching became my, my big thing. But having a company and choreographing worked where I could really express what I wanted to say. Uh, give people uh, a little bit of enjoyment. Uh, I always put humor into my works, even if they were serious. That's so great. People, and you're yeah. constantly getting the applause. It, it, it's That's not right. for you on stage, but it's for your work. So you're still That's getting right. that same applause, which I think is The great. applause and the reviews and the, your name in the paper. See, you get the same sort of thing. It's not physically the same, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it does satisfy that need. And I've been lucky that I took all that creative talent I had when I moved to Miami and created a school and wrote a curriculum for eight years uh, and hired the right faculty and graduated some of the greatest dance people in the world. It, that really, I mean, what, what, what a gift to, to, to be able to impart all of that knowledge and all of that experience. Uh, like you said, from scratch, you built it. You, you, you got yep. to say, this is, this is the system and this is how it's going to be. So what are some of your favorite moments from, from the stories that are in your book? Um, what are, when you look back on your life, what are a couple of key moments that you just think that that was it? That was one of the ultimate moments in my life. Well, Aside I just from told Moscow. You, yes, I yes. told you one Moscow. <laughs> nothing, yes. nothing in the world to be better than that. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, the, other, the other one I would say, too, was in 2011 when I retired. The New World School of the Arts had a um, concert. Mm -hmm. And the Limon Company came. People from the Graham Company came. Uh, Anna Sucklow's people came. All these famous dance companies came to perform in honor of my retirement. And when I came out at the end and took my bow, it was almost as good as Moscow. Because mm -hmm. that audience in the Gusman Theater, which had about, I think, 1,600 people in it at the time, really brought back all those memories of taking bows all around the world. There's nothing greater than you're being humble when you take a bow. Mm -hmm. uh, and I used to love that moment. When, when, you, when you're done and you know you did a good job and you say thank you. Sure, sure. Yeah. And you started well, getting that when you were five. So it's, right. it, is a, well, it is a lifelong experience. Right, but that caused a lot of problems at five. I grew up in Brooklyn. It was not the in thing to be a dancer in Brooklyn. Right. And it really became horrible in junior high school. Yeah, you said they called you twinkle toes in twinkle school. Toes. <laughs> yes, they did. And I was beat up a couple of times. I joined a, a gang in, I think it was the seventh grade called the 59th Street Boys, who understood me, sort of, and they protected me. I did what I had to do to join the gang, which was steal four hubcaps. <laughs> we don't have hubcaps anymore, I don't think. <laughs> Not many, so, no. I stole, I stole my four hubcaps, I got into the gang, and all of a sudden I had protection. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really difficult. I used to carry my dance clothes in an attache case. Mm -hmm. And I wore a tie to school. You know, how many kids wear ties to school? I wanted to be the businessman. I didn't want anyone to know I was an artist. Until I got to the High School of Performing Arts, which was the very first public art school in the country. Uh, it's the fame school, the school that uh, there's been movies about and TV series. 
yeah. and I was there very early. And all of a sudden, it was the first time I met another guy who danced. It was the first time I did a performance. First time. That's amazing. And after the performance, the girls in the school said, ah, that was fabulous. You were really good tonight. Although I must say, as a dancer in Brooklyn, even before that, the girls always loved me. Mm-hmm. Because I was the oddball. I wasn't the jock uh, out there. But what a difference to be. I got to travel to New York every day to go to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boy, I met faculty that really turned me on to what dance was all about. That taught me how to hone into what I really wanted to do. Uh, it was an amazing experience. And now there are magnet schools all over the country. Uh, every state has some. Absolutely. And so so for kids who are that age uh, now, who are studying dance and who do hope to have a career in dance, what advice do you have for them as far as building and maintaining the passion as well as the technique that they need? Go with your inner thoughts. Don't let other people interfere and tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Because what happens, we see it a lot even at New World where a parent is, comes in and says, well, shouldn't he have a backup plan? Shouldn't you be going, getting a degree in something else as a backup? Well, every dancer I know that's graduated from college with a degree has done very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you could get a degree as a dancer and the corporate world wants you. I get, I'll tell you a quick story if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I used to get calls from corporate leaders. Could I come and teach creativity to their, 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 their people, you know, their, mm-hmm. their, the people that work there? And yeah. I would say to them, no, it's really too late. You learn creativity as a young person. You learn to be creative before you think, even. Mm-hmm. You know, a five-year-old is creative automatically. Right. <laughs> they, they, will, they will draw, a child will draw a pink elephant, even though elephants aren't pink. Mm-hmm. If you get older in life, it's harder to draw a pink elephant. Uh, but I told them sure. a story. I said, you got to hear this. Uh, there was a teacher who taught creative movement to students. And creative movement is where you learn to melt like an ice cream cone or tumble on the floor like tumbleweed through the desert or yeah. go through the wind like a leaf. You know, it's very wonderful stuff for kids to do. And she would always end the class by lining the kids up and she would lie down by the door. And one by one, the kids would run and leap over the teacher out into the hallway. <laughs> and the kids love this moment in class. So they're lining up to get ready to jump over the teacher. And the teacher says, this time when you jump over me, I want you to scream. And they'll go, yay, we're gonna scream, oh boy, oh boy. Well, the first little girl walked up to the teacher and said, when I scream, do you want me to scream with my voice or with my body? This kid understood what creativity is. This kid understood how to make the box any shape they want. This Mm kid figured out how to get out of the box. This kid's gonna be a great public leader, a great executive, a great, uh, inventor or a great artist. Mm-hmm. Creativity teaches you to be the best human being you can possibly be. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and we do, we, we, we kind of learn as life goes on to drown out those creative thoughts and to, oh, uh, to replace them with, with rational thought. And, um, yeah. and it's, it's, it's sad, you know, because the, that, that is the essence of art, which is the essence of life. And it, it, it's right. sad that so many people have it uh, squelched at an early age, but thankfully there are people like you who, um, who know how to, to draw it out of them and who, who appreciate the, the art so much. So, so what, what are you going to do from here? Well, I'm doing it. I put my energy into young people. Mm-hmm. I'm on the board of the Thomas Alma Youth Ballet, which is a, 
a school here in Florida that gives classes to kids free. We do outreach programs all over the county. Uh, we even do in the outreach programs after school, we do homework help. So we have professional uh, tutors go in helping with their homework and then they go to a dance class. Great. Uh, I'm on Arts for Learning, the board here in Florida. Uh, whenever I do a concert with my company, which is Miami Dance Futures, we produce a lot of things in Miami. We always give hundreds of tickets to the Dade County Public School System. We give hundreds of tickets to um, the Cultural Arts Center, which then gives them out to children and senior citizens. Hmm. Uh, it's very important that kids see, we do a nutcracker every year that over 5,000 kids see each year. And some of these kids are the first time they've ever been in a theater. Yeah. They have no idea. They think TV is where you see something. Right. And live performance is just incredible. I haven't seen a live performance since last, I can't remember, March, I think it was. And two weeks ago, I got my fifth Lifetime Achievement Award. And part of the award ceremony was a live performance at the old Jackie Gleason Theater on Miami Beach, where the oh. Jackie Gleason Show used to broadcast from. Yeah. And I'm standing in the wings, and they brought companies from all over the world to perform. And no audience. It was all televised out mm -hmm. because of uh, COVID. Right. And the tears are rolling out of my eyes as I'm seeing live bodies on stage dance. I'm seeing sweat. I'm seeing stories being told that just don't carry over the TV screen. They don't carry over the computer screen. We've got to get back at some point to live performance. Absolutely. And it's going to, it's going to be a combination of the two in the future. Yes, you know, most definitely. Live performance. And I've even done live performances with Internet 2 back many years ago. Now it worked for Zoom. And they've even done things now with live three-dimensional figures on stage so that you could actually dance with a, a, an avatar. And wow. Pick the avatar up, throw it in the air, and then turn around six times and then catch the avatar. Oh, that is amazing. We're, we're in for a whole new bag of tricks. I am so looking forward to young people. I've done a couple of lectures lately online to young people. I want to see what they come up with, what their imagination can make. What, what they can see beyond what we can see as adults now even. Yeah. And I consider myself a creative person, but I know there's more beyond it that they'll see that we can't. Well, sure. And and the technological advances that we can't yet imagine uh, that, that, that will give them more opportunities to express That's their true. own creativity and come up with the, the avatar thing. That blows my mind. <laughs> that absolutely blows my mind. But, you there know, was, perhaps. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was yeah, There was a Canadian company that actually did it. Uh, I went to the performance here in Miami where they had, they, they were avatars, but they were, they, you could almost see through them. It was all done through mirrors and projections. Mm -hmm. But Disney now has come up with ways of projecting three-dimensional things. It's going to happen. Right. And when it does, I am so looking forward to it. I hope I'm still here to see some of it. I know, I know. You know, it, there, there, there's a chance that the coronavirus is actually going to uh, present some, some wonderful new developments in the world as we okay. come up with creative ways to, you know, to get around not yeah. being able to gather in close proximity. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Zoom performances with dancers popping up on one part of the screen, relating to the dancer on the other screen, and dancing with each other through Zoom. Yeah, yeah, that it's is exciting stuff. That is exciting stuff. Well, and the Miami Book Fair is virtual this year. I know that you're uh, right. you're participating in a panel on yep. that, and it's it's getting released kind of Netflix style, all um, at, you know at the beginning of the fair. So, what what did you um, what is the event that you discussed? 
What did you talk about? I talked about this book mm-hmm. at that uh, at book fair, mm-hmm. and my other book is too. I have a book on technique as well. Yeah. Uh, but this is the one that we're pushing now. And what I'm hoping, and it's already starting to happen, is it's not going to be deemed a biography. It's mm-hmm. not a biography. It's a history book of dance from 1948 through 1988 in New York and then 88 to 2020 in Miami. Yeah. That's how modern dance grew. Most definitely. I mean, it definitely is. It, it is a history. And I, I highly recommend the book to anyone listening. It's uh, Daniel Lewis, A Life in Choreography and the Art of Dance. Thank you so, so much for joining me. This has been great. It's been my pleasure. For Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, this is Shannon Fisher. See you next time.